Chapter thirty six of Half a Century by Jane Grey Swisshelm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. The Minnesota Dictator. Every day from my arrival in St. Cloud, evidence had been accumulating of the truth of that stage whisper about General Lowry, who lived in a semi barbaric splendor in an imposing house on the bank of the Mississippi, where he kept slaves bringing them from and returning them to his Tennessee estate at his convenience, and no man saying him nay. He owned immense tracts of land, had and disposed of all the government contracts he pleased, travelled over Europe with his salaried physician, said to this man, go, and he went, and to that, come, and he came, and to a third, do this, and it was done. But of all his commands, go was the most potent, for as president of a claim club, his orders to preemptors were enforced by Judge Lynch. He never condescended to go to Congress, but sent an agent, furnished all the Democratic votes that could possibly be wanted in any emergency, and nobody wondered when a good list came from a precinct in which no one lived. Republicans on their arrival in his dominion were converted to the Democratic faith, fast as sinners to Christianity in a Moffat meeting, and those on whom the spirit fell not kept very quiet people had gone there to make homes not to fight the southern tiger and any attempt against such overwhelming odds seemed madness for lowry's dominion was largely legitimate he was one of those who are born to command of splendid physique and dignified bearing superior intellect and mesmeric fascination his natural advantages had been increased by a liberal education. He had been brought up among slaves, lived among Indians as agent and interpreter, felt his own superiority, and asserted it with the full force of honest conviction. On all hands he was spoken of as dictator, and there was both love and respect mingled with the fear by which he governed. His father was a Presbyterian minister who taught that slavery was divine, and both were generous and lenient masters. He was the embodiment of the slave power. All its brute force, pious pretenses, plausibility, chivalry, all the good and bad of the southern character, all the weapons of the army of despotism were concentrated in this man, the friend of my friends, the man who stood ready to set me on the pinnacle of social distinction by his recognition across the body of the prostrate slave lay the road to wealth and many good men had shut their eyes and stepped over the territorial government under buchanan was a mere tool of slavery every federal officer was a southerner or a northern man with southern principles government gold flowed freely in that channel and to the eagles general lowry had but to say as to his other servants come and they flew into his exchequer so thoroughly was minnesota under the feet of slavery that in september sixty after we thought the state redeemed the house of william d babbitt in minneapolis was surrounded from midnight until morning by a howling mob stoning it firing guns and pistols attempting to force doors and windows and only prevented gaining entrance by the solidarity of the building and the bravery of its defence it was thus besieged because its owner and occupant had dared interfere to execute the common law in favor of freedom 
minneapolis and its twin city st anthony each had a large first-class hotel to which southern people resorted in summer bringing their slaves holding them often for months and taking them back to the south no one daring to make objection until one woman eliza winston appealed to mr babbitt who took her into court where judge vanderbilt decreed her freedom on the ground that her claimant had forfeited his title by bringing her into a free state at the rendering of this decree rev knickerbocker rector of the only protestant episcopal church in the city arose in open court and charged the judge with giving an unrighteous judgment he condemned the law as at war with scripture and the rights of the master and its enforcement as injurious to the best interests of the community it was the old story of demetrius and the people already keenly alive to the profit of boarding southern families with their servants were glad to have a mantle of piety thrown over their love of gain the courtroom was packed and under the eloquent appeal of the reverend gentleman it soon became evident the populace would make a rush take the woman out of the hands of the law and deliver her to her master she and her friends had about lost hope when an unlooked-for diversion called attention from them the red head of bill king afterwards postmaster of the u s house of representatives arose like the burning bush at the foot of mount horeb and his stentorian voice poured forth such a torrent of denunciation on priestcraft such a flood of solid swearing against the insolence and tyranny of ecclesiasticism that people were surprised into inactivity until mr babbitt got the woman in his carriage and drove off with her there could no longer be a question of her legal right to her own body and soul but her friends knew that the law of freedom had lain too long dormant to be enforced now without further serious opposition and mr babbitt brought into use his old training on the underground railroad to throw the bloodhounds off the scent so secreted the woman in the house of professor stone and prepared his own strong residence to bear a siege for that siege preparations were made by the clerical party during the afternoon and evening without any effort at concealment and to brute force the besieging party added brute cunning it was known that in my lecturing tours i was often mr babbitt's guest and might arrive at any hour so shortly after midnight the doorbell was rung when mr babbitt inquired who is there mrs swishelm it is not mrs swishelm's voice william griffin a colored porter is with her it is not william griffin's voice then for the first time there were signs of a multitude on the porch and with an oath the speaker replied we want that slave you cannot have her a rush was made to burst in the door but it was of solid walnut and would not yield when the assailants brought fence posts to batter it in and were driven back by a shot from a revolver in the hall the mob retired to a safer distance and the leader mine host of a first-class hotel mounted the carriage block and harangued his followers on the sacred duty of securing the financial prosperity of the two cities by restoring eliza winston to her owners and made this distinct declaration of principles i came to this state with five thousand dollars have but five hundred left but will spend the last cent to see bill babbitt's heart's blood after which heroic utterance a fresh volley of stones and shots were fired and fresh rush made for the doors and windows 
the side lights of the front door had been shattered and one burly ruffian thrust himself halfway in but stuck when a defender levelled a revolver at his head and said to mrs babbitt who was then in command of the hall while her husband defended the parlour windows shall i shoot him yes shoot him like a dog but mrs edward messer her sister who knew mr babbitt's dread of taking life knocked the pistol up and struck the ruffian's head with a stick when it was withdrawn and again the mob fell back and resorted to stones and sticks and oaths and howlings and gunshots and threats of firing the house mrs babbitt thought that personal appeals might bring citizens to the rescue and in an interval of blackness between lightning flashes escaped through a back cellar way and had almost reached the shelter of a cornfield adjoining the garden when the lightning revealed her and three men started in pursuit it was two months before the birth of one of her children and mr elliot a neighbor who was hastening to the rescue saw her danger and ran to engage her pursuers stumbling through the corn he encountered one and cudgelled him but all were separated by the darkness mrs babbitt however succeeded in reaching the more thickly settled portion of the city and the first man she called upon for help replied you have made your bed lie in it the sheriff came with two or three men and talked to the mob which dispersed before daylight with open threats to have babbitt's heart's blood and for months his family lived in momentary apprehension of his murder for months he was hooted at in the streets of minneapolis as nigger thief and called eliza no arrests were made and he has always felt it fortunate that mrs messer prevented the shooting of the man in the sidelight as he thinks to this day that in the state of public sentiment the man firing the shot would have been hanged for murder by any hennepin county jury and his home raised to the ground or burned eliza winston was sent by underground railroad to canada because minnesota in the year of grace eighteen sixty could not or would not defend the freedom of one declared free by decision of its own courts when such events were actual facts in sixty near the centre of the state under a republican administration what was the condition of public sentiment in the northern portion of the territory in fifty seven when there was scarce a pretence of law or order and the southern democracy held absolute sway i soon understood the situation had known for years that the southern threats which northern men laughed at as tin kettle thunder were the desperate utterances of lawless men in firm alliance with the hierarchy of rome for the overthrow of this republic End of chapter thirty six